LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. But I remember when email first became a thing and we got this email and we were like, who is Louis Giglio? <laughs> we were like, how do you how do you even say his name? Yeah, who is this guy? And he told us um, he had gotten a hold of our little independent album that we did. This guy in our church helped us gather some money to be able to put some songs down. And Louis said, hey, the songs you're singing are the prayers we're praying for this collegiate ministry called Passion. Would you come? It's this January to not Austin, Texas. And we were like, sure, yes, you know. So we were a part of the very first Passion Conference. And there, I think there were about 2,000 students gathered there. And we had no idea that that would we would be attending those for the next 20 years. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, how you doing, man? Doing well, bro. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's It's been a little while, so I'm glad that we were able to uh, get another interview together. Thank, Thanksgiving has passed. I, re- <laughs> I, 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 the Rona got me. Coronavirus got me, So, but I, but I recovered. I'm, uh, I'm good to go now, but uh, I'm just glad to be here. Just happy to be here with everybody virtually. I'm excited today because we get to have a really fun conversation with Christy Knuckles, who is a wife, mother, podcaster, and... If you didn't know this, she's a worship leader. That's like one of the smaller ones that she does. But for global <laughs> movements like passion conferences and if gathering. And she is also now an author with her debut book, The Life You Long For. Christy, we're happy to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. yeah so, so excited that you're here. So excited you get to spend some time. How's Franklin weather right now? Is it pretty cold there? What, what's it like? Yes, we are having some good Christmas vibes. <laughs> Lots of fires in the fireplace. So, oh man, my wife would be jealous. That's one of her favorite <laughs> things. She loves a good fire. Well, looking at your book, I'm so excited for you. Congratulations, by the way, um, you. about your book. But the subtitle for your book is Learning to Live from a heart of rest. Rest has been like a really talked about topic this season and like, thank the Lord for that. We need more people to talk about it. We need more people to flesh it out. So I'm glad you brought another book to the table about rest. It's much needed, but can you share a little bit more about that book for us? Yes. Well, this was about 15 years in the making and writing. And I think, you know, in hindsight, a lot of that is because God has had me live it (laughs) Uh, to the point where it's like you, you know, how seasons go. It's like the process of God, his principles work. And it's like the sowing brings a harvest and it repeats itself right over and over in our lives. And so life is about a series of seasons. And so this book is really um, about a lot about my story of, you know, being young and being a leader uh, kind of a lot was given to Nathan and I at an early age. Um, I was reading a little bit about your podcast and and I think that, you know, we very much fit in that category of, of just starting out young and um, cutting our teeth, uh, <laughs> just almost like baptism by fire in a lot of ways, uh, just put in places and um, on platforms. Um, and then just the Lord sort of pausing our lives for a bit to go like, okay, I want you to to live from 
this place of, of, of rest and, and really like, I think for me, I was pretty much like, you know, living for God, but I found myself in a place of not really knowing how to live from him. Mm-hmm. And so this book is really um, about that epiphany. I call it my farm table epiphany where um, God met me. Um, actually, I was cleaning a toilet, which is evidence that he can meet us anytime, any place, anywhere. Um, most of us as leaders are used to that, you know, being in these you know, this platform type situation or this experience on a stage or in a room full of people. But he met me in the bathroom and um, really called my heart home. At that time, it was kind of a physical call to come home. I really, as a young mother, wanted to come off the road. I had this like a desire to to come home. But now looking back, I know that that was actually a spiritual call to come home, to learn how to be known and loved and seen by God in the secret Mm -hmm. and far from the platform and to really relearn my identity and um, that it's not wrapped up in what I do. And I think we all as leaders struggle with that. Humans struggle with that in general, but especially leaders. And so this book is about that journey of learning Mm -hmm. to live from a heart of rest. And by rest, I mean a soul rest. Um, it's not really about the weekly Sabbath that we all need. It's actually like a, a posture of of trusting God to make a way for us rather than hustling for it on our own. Man, that's really, really good. Thanks for sharing. We, we've talked a lot on this podcast, had several people come through that have maybe in their own words, but talked a lot about the truth. Like we need to be more focused on what God is doing in us rather than what he's doing through us. Right. And it sounds like the book really reflects all that. I'm so excited to read it. Can't wait to get my hands on it. And so Mm -hmm. if you're listening, check that book out, um, give it a good read, uh, 15 years in the making. That's a lot of, (laughs) that's a lot of work for a book. You got to read it. It's worth it. Yeah. Well, Christy, you mentioned that you and your husband, Nathan, you said, Hey, we were, we were young leaders and we were kind of thrown into some positions at a young age that maybe you were, you're like, how do we get here? You know, so we'd love to hear what that journey looked like. So if you could just lead us uh, kind of through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years to, to where you can actually write a book like you have just written. <laughs> yes. Well, um, you know, when we first started out, um, I love for one thing, I was raised in a ministry home. My dad has been a pastor my whole life. In fact, I'm sitting in my dad's office here <laughs> at Hills awesome. Baptist Church. Um, it's five minutes from our door. Actually, we've been going to this church and leading here. Uh, we're about 60 people strong. <laughs> oh. uh, it's been a sweet, sweet season. Um, just side note, my mom was diagnosed with cancer in September. Mm, and uh, we've been walking with her. And just have decided to have no regrets and just to, you know, my dad calls it his last stand in ministry. They're in their 70s and to get to come alongside him and lead uh, at his church has just been so sweet. We don't have broadband Internet at our house, so I come up to dad's office to do interviews so that I make sure (laughs) we don't, uh, you know, drop calls and stuff. But um Because of, you know, being raised in a pastor's home, I think that I look back, I'm so grateful that music for Nathan and I all these years has has stayed in the ministry category um, and not like just career category. So I love after all this time that 
we still very much view it as ministry. And some of those early ministry moments for us, um, we started uh, leading worship with a guy named Charlie Hall. I don't know if you've ever heard of Charlie. He's out of Oklahoma. Nathan and Charlie went to high school together. Actually, they made an album together that uh, they were working on whenever Nathan and I met. I met Nathan when I was 19. And so we really were young when we got into all of this. But I remember that time we had, it was really when this whole worship movement was beginning. It was like the church was moving from singing about God to singing to him. And it was like we were moving from uh, having the song leader, you know, to the church really lifting our our eyes to God and like uh, singing to him, which I've heard recently is like singing to God is the ultimate reconciliation of our heart to his. And so I think it was like this deepening of the church learning to sing to God. And, and we didn't know it, but we were on a path to to see God do that, a movement that we never could have imagined. I mean, because back in that time, no one was meeting in football stadiums to worship. Um, If you would have told us that that would have happened, we wouldn't have believed you. Um, We just, you know, at that time would get in Charlie's truck and go lead anywhere that we could have enough money afterwards to grab a meal and maybe buy some groceries, you know. Um, But I remember when email first became a thing and we got this email and we were like, who is Louis Giglio? (laughs) (laughs) We were like, how do you, how do you even say his name? Who is this guy? Yeah. Who is this guy? And he told us um, he had gotten a hold of our little independent album that we did. This guy in our church helped us gather some money to be able to put some songs down and songs that were really stirring in us and prayers that we were truly praying for renewal and revival. I remember our hearts literally like burned in us um, in those days to um, see God move. And I believe that we were on the cusp of like a true movement happening. And we had, we just had no idea looking back. We're like, it's so obvious but um, Louis said, hey, the songs you're singing are the prayers we're praying for this collegiate ministry called Passion. Would you come? It's this January to not Austin, Texas. This was in 97. And we were like, sure. Yes. You know? <laughs> and um, so we were a part of the very first Passion Conference. And there, I think there were about 2000 students um, gathered there. And we had no idea that that would we would be attending those for the next 20 years or we went we were a part of passion till 2017 and so that's a you know one big we call it kind of a train another train was just that Nathan and I had also signed with Michael W Smith and he had a, rec- a record company called Rocket Town Records and it was of course our dream our whole lives to sign a record deal and um grew up on Michael's music. And so this other train was that we started a group called Watermark, Nathan and I, and we were also, you know, had radio singles going. And so it would kind of, we say, had these two trains that were running parallel in those beginning days. So it was, it was a lot going on. (laughs) So you mentioned, I love that you said, you know, 
back in Oklahoma, you guys were just, you know, going to, to be able to, to worship in front of others and just, and maybe you get paid enough to be able to, yeah. <laughs> to go grab a bite to eat afterwards. Yes. And then, you know, the Lord was working in you all in that to prepare you for just, as you said, the passion movement, uh, your own, your own record label. And for me, I, I, I was actually a college student when we, I think it was the first time that we went to the Georgia Dome. And I mean, that was just a unbelievable mm-hmm. moment to be surrounded by so many believers worshiping, I think it was like 75,000 in yeah. one, in one place. Now for me, I'm in the stands right now for you, you're about to walk out and lead 75,000 people in worship. What, what do you feel were some of the lessons while you were serving, you know, rooms of 20 rooms of 30 that the Lord taught you to be able to, to step in with humility, to step in with, Hey, I, I have the confidence to be able to do this in the Lord. What were some of the lessons that you've learned along the way that you, you look back on, you're like, the Lord is working in that to allow me to prepare me for this. Right. Yes. Well, you know, that very first passion conference in 97 that I mentioned, um, really our only role, I think we sang one song in the main session, but our main role for that was we led a community group, uh, back then they would, you know, put the students together, um, in just groups. And that was only about, you know, 50 people at that time. Uh, and so I remember Greg Mott, he's now the pastor of First Baptist Houston, and he was our community group leader. And then Nathan and Charlie and I were, you know, just acoustic uh, leading worship uh, with this just a small room full of, uh, of students. And um, and I think at that time, like I said, you know, we were really leading from a place of our hearts burning in us of what God was doing personally in us. And where you, you begin to, you know, when you, I talk about this in the book, even when you live from your own belovedness, you, you lead from a place of desiring and almost fighting and contending for it in others. And so you're, as you're leading worship, you're, you're leading out from your own belovedness because you're, you're fighting for it. You're, you're uh, leading others to, you know, to experience the agape love of God for themselves. And, and so then, you know, you grow and like you said, you know, I, it's funny that you mentioned that Georgia Dome because I have a very vivid experience mm-hmm. of that. Um, I remember walking out on that stage and I had earlier that morning watched Matt Redmond lead and my husband was in that band. And I remember we were up in the nosebleed section because that was where kind of those um the boxes are up there you know that we had to sit in because that was the only kind of seats that were open and I remember not being able to find my husband Nathan because they look like ants you know on the (laughs) stage and so then I have this perspective of me walking out I'm an ant you know I'm I'm going out on the stage no one can tell who I am and it's so funny I've told this story before but I walked out and you know, you're just trying to be where your feet are. You're trying to not allow a moment like that to just absolutely swallow you whole. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but you know what? It was the sweetest thing because I remember I was getting ready to lead a song. It might have even have been 
I'd have to look back on what song it was. It might have been Waiting Here for You. I can't remember, but I remember I shut my eyes so tight because I was just like, Lord Jesus, help me. Um, And what was so sweet is that I shut my eyes and I saw myself as a seven-year-old. It was like I was a seven-year-old and I was holding that mic. But the mic I was holding looked like the mic that I used to hold in my dad's church with like the big red furry thing on the top. (laughs) Yeah. And I had like my big 80s glasses on, my like Mary Lou Retton haircut. And I'm like almost started laughing because I'm like, why? (laughs) Why do I see myself right now as a seven-year-old? And he just so clearly spoke to my heart in that moment. And he said, because this is who you were when I found you. And he said, lead from mm. that place. That's good. And so as I stood there, it was just like, he was like, you don't need anything else in order to lead these people right now, other than the fact that you are my daughter. You had nothing to give. You had nothing to offer. And I came and I found you and I breathed my life into you. And it was that picture. I gave my life to him when I was seven. And so I believe it was that picture of him taking me back to that gospel moment, my gospel story of him going, you don't need any other accolades or training for this moment. Yes, we need to know how to use our gifts in that moment. We need to do things with um, to the best of our abilities. But at the same time, I love that he brought that to me in that moment, just to lead mm-hmm. as a daughter, to lead as a son in those moments. Mm. Man, thanks for sharing. You've been leading for quite some time now, and you have a lot of experience in leadership. And as you know, young leaders tend to make quite a bit of mistakes. Normally, right? <laughs> uh, so going back to like your past leadership and the unseen portions of it, what would you say your biggest mistake was as a leader getting started? And like, how has that failure set you up for your future successes that you've been able to experience? Yeah. Well, probably kind of what spurred on the book, you know, was like um, getting so busy, I think, doing the things that I felt like God wanted me to do and living for him and forgetting how to live from him. And I think just also not being in a place of and I, you know, this is lifelong, right? These these things that these this process of learning how to be the beloved and really live um, from God rather than just for him. And, but living from him is how we endure to live for him, you know? And so I think, um, you know, for me in the beginning, it was, man, I I took on too much. I yesed myself into exhaustion. I wasn't trusting God, um, to make a way for me, but I would instead, um, fill that space. I would fill the calendar. I would do things that, um, that I thought if I don't do this, it, maybe I won't get that opportunity or maybe it's not going to lead to this. But then if I don't say yes to this, well, if that person has this way to that. So, so then you, it's kind of what I call a commodity mentality. We can get wrapped up in that. Our worth is only about what we can supply and provide um, rather than just who we are and whose we are really most importantly. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, we can begin to view people only for what they can do for us and only what we Mm -hmm. can do for them. We begin to view ourselves as a commodity, right? Even in our churches, we can start to think that 
you know, we're only good for what we can provide for this church. And, and we're a commodity. We, we, um, we have to be useful to belong. And I think for me, um, I got myself in a bit of like a burnout situation, which I know we're seeing all the time, you know, people just burning out and leaving uh, the church, leaving the faith. And, and I believe there's just because we, we believe that lie that we've got to perform for acceptance and love and belonging rather than trusting God and kind of even allowing there's to be, I've learned that sometimes he asks us to say no to some things so that we can trust him in a different way. And, and I believe even God, not to go into the whole thing, but just even revealed idolatry in my heart for movements and things and people, places and things that I was putting my trust in as a leader to keep the calendar full, to keep the platform growing. And rather than going, you know what, that's not my lane. God hasn't called me to that. God, I'm going to say no to this and I'm going to trust that you're going to move on my behalf and you're going to fill that space with what you have. I love Ephesians 2.10. He's already provided good works for us to, to walk in, to step into. And I love to think that getting close to him and him being the center and us having eyes to see and ears to hear what those things are, he's prepared, prepared in advance for us to walk in. Mm, that's really good. You know, I guess it's, it's ringing a bell with me because I, I feel like as I've made a transition, uh, I, I formerly was with student life camp, which I actually think you partnered with us yeah. at Myrtle beach one time. Now yeah. it's coming back to me now. Sorry. I forgot about that. Okay. Um, but I, I transitioned as a pastor now and as a pastor, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Christy, like I feel a strong need to be useful to God. Yeah. That's my job, right. To be useful. Yeah but it's not like the best thing that I can ever give people around me as a leader is my personal holiness. It's what God's doing in me. Right. And reflecting that back to them. So really encouraging. And I think that can be such a trap for young leaders to fall into. Yeah. I've got to do, I have to perform. I need to be, you know, and God just wants to be with us um, rather than doing everything through us. So Chandler. Yeah. I was going to say, Christy, I, it's interesting that you're saying that. Cause I know so many young leaders who just as you were saying, you almost want to, orchestrate what your next step's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be like, if I do A and B, it's going to lead to C, which is the platform that, that I think God wants me to be in, which just happens to be a really big one that has <laughs> is awesome, exactly how I want it to be. And what I, I loved how you're sharing your story is like, you know, we randomly got this email from Louis Giglio. <laughs> I mean, just randomly. And that I feel like that's how God oftentimes works, where you're not even looking and then God shows up and he's like, you try to do A and B, but we're not even, that's not even the equation that we're, we're working with. So I, I really appreciate that. And I, that was something I needed to hear for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was going to say too, that I've learned that, sorry, someone's blowing me up. <laughs> it's but, okay. um, yeah. All that hustling I've learned, end up, it ends up actually holding us back from actually living from our identity but then I just think, you know, what God has shown me is just that his kind of rest is what propels us. Like living from that trust and rest and giving him that margin and space to act on our behalf. Then it's like you get the random email. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like living from that order and from that rest. It provides a space 
for God to show up on our behalf where we've been hustling in his, in that space, you know, and that hustling is holding us back from living from our identity of beloved and being one who trusts God for all those A and B, the steps A and B that get us to where he's already prepared in advance for us to walk in. So that was just a side note. <laughs> it's, no, it's it's almost like trying to run a marathon without carb loading the night before, without getting the right nutrients, right? Right. We're ch- trying to live for God rather than from God, like you were saying earlier. Chrissy, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead, when you were uh, wetting your feet into the waters of leadership? Oh, goodness. Um, definitely The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer. Mm. I also love Abiding in Christ by Andrew Murray. It's all, it's the dead guys, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Go back to the classics. Yes. Yeah. So for somebody who hasn't read um, The Pursuit of God by Tozer, what would you say is like, that would be the takeaway that I would have as a young leader and why they should read it? Wow. Yes. Well, I think even, you know, though sometimes the classics are a little bit um, harder to understand with the wording, what's inside of all that is a simplicity. I think that it's a simplicity. I think we, in the age we're living in, we complicate things, um, especially just the 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 Christian culture and just um, all that's... Um, become visual it's i think it's to our disadvantage that we can see everything Hmm. all the time and so i think that we've become accustomed to aspiring after the scene we aspire to what we can see as leaders right we just we're scrolling we're like oh they did this oh look at that stage or oh look at that lighting or oh hear that song or instead of aspiring to the unseen and I think about just when we first began in our, when, like I said, our hearts like burned within us to do what it is that God had put in us to do. We were aspiring to the unseen. We had the advantage of not seeing everything, right? We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have social media. Um, we would do events and people would show up. <laughs> um, and there was no, there was no social media to get the, get the word out. It was like word of mouth. It was like grassroots stuff. Hmm. Like it was happening. And I think that we've complicated things. And I guess just one of the things that A.W. Tozer says that I I quoted in the book, he says, basically kind of goes through this whole idea that faith, is the same thing as looking to God. And he's saying if looking to God is um, is synonymous with belief, it's the same thing. If to believe on God is to look to him, then it remains that it's the easiest thing possible to do. And he says it would be like God to make the most vital thing, which is to look to him, the easiest thing that we could do. And I love just it's it, it, the way that he breaks things down to the sim- the simplicity of the mystery of, of like walking with God. And I just, when I've, I've read it probably three times now, and I always am so encouraged to just go back to those basics of just wanting to pursue the heart of God and to aspire to the unseen and put the phone down and 
ask the Holy Spirit to give me the songs of heaven and rather than listening and scrolling and mm. striving for what I should be doing next. Yeah. If you have not read any of Tozer, Pursuit of God is a great place to start. I mean, and, and the good news is Tozer, his books are a little bit smaller than some. Yes. So you can also feel very accomplished when yeah. you read them. Um, yeah. I recently read The Knowledge of the Holy again, and I was just like, man, Tozer is so good. I just need to constantly be reading his works. One thing you were mentioning there was how kind of the, the idea of social media and how we can scroll through and you, you look to other people's accomplishments and then you start to kind of doubt what God's doing in your own life. And kind of, even then your, your jealousy is rising up and your, maybe your motivation is not as pure as it should be. So what have you, you know, what have you seen? How can we combat as young leaders? I mean, I think it's a really neat situation that you were talking about there is when you all were having those concerts and gatherings and you were kind of getting off the ground, there wasn't social media. It wasn't like, Hey, let's, let's document every bit of this, the behind the scenes. Instead it was just word of mouth versus now kind of how it is. What would you say for, for those of us who are kind of indoctrinated in that type of, of way, how can we guard, guard ourselves against the comparison in social media? Yeah. Well, for one thing, um, you know, just taking practical steps to, um, limit yourself from scrolling. I know, yeah. I know that's like basics, but one thing I do before I, my feet even hit the floor, before I ever um, pick up my phone for the day is just uh, from the book I talk about living from the bullseye. And it really is abiding. It's John 15. It's um, life in the spirit, Romans eight, but like just almost like just getting your head on straight before you ever look at anything in the outside world um, and even I think, you know, as leaders, we can, for most of our lives, if we were raised, you know, in, you know, in walking with the Lord, you know, Christian home, it's like the quiet time becomes almost like the, the thing to check off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but really looking at our quiet time as a, as remembrance, like um, I say it, um, I said it this morning, like I need to go get my head on straight, <laughs> but making sure just that there's an order in your life before you're looking at anything else. Even if it's five minutes, even if you have to go back to the basics with your quiet time, with remembrance, just getting an order to your life where your head and your heart are on straight before you ever look at anything else. And then I've just started to view my social media as a place of serving rather than a place of feeding my soul. Um, So I just I just pour out in it and I try not to consume it. Mm, That's really good. What were some of your misconceptions as a young leader? Like about leadership. Yeah. Um, goodness. That's a hard, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, maybe just that, you know, the, the training part of it uh, really is a life living those things. Right. Um, I think that, you know, I've never been to seminary, but you know, when I started doing a podcast and actually like I found myself teaching the word of God uh, kind of almost accidentally, <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I never like signed up to like teach women the Bible. Um, and I was like asking my dad, I was like, should I go to seminary? And um, and I think that that's great. If you can go to seminary, you should do it. But at the same time, I think one of the misconceptions is, is that you got to have all this schooling, but really it's, living 
the, the, the principles of God, right. And living the things that we're, we're teaching. I used to say, uh, you know, people would ask me kind of, which comes first when you write a song, like, um, is it, it, it's like, do I live it first and then I write the song or do I write the song and then I live it? I think it's the same with being a leader. Um, it's, you know, just, we've got to live the things, you know, I think most of us have spent a lot of years probably believing things for other people that we're speaking over we're, and not believing it for ourselves. And so I think, um, man, I, I didn't realize how much I was just going to need to live all of this to a point of like surrender to a point of sacrifice, to a point of pain. Um, but goodness gracious, there's just like precious fruit and all that stuff. And so living it, there's so much value, even if you're going through a season of suffering or uh, hardship and pain and lay, having to lay something down. There's so much fruit and life in God's way and his principles, living it. Yeah. We want to lead, but we don't have to walk through. I heard somebody say recently, like every leader that the Lord uses walks through the wilderness to trust in the Lord. And it's like so many of us just want to skip that step and be like, no, I just want to lead. I don't want the whole wilderness thing. So yeah, that's a great reminder. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here and we'll get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, so my kids are 13, 18 and 20. And so they're not littles anymore. Um, so I can, um, so sleeping till 730. I mean, that's for a lot of women, that's like a luxury. That's still kind of probably early, but I get up around 730. Um Nathan's always up before me. He is um, the morning person. He always has the coffee made. Um, <laughs> I have a long-haired dachshund named George Banks. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And we have like a 20-minute moment um, where I hold him in the morning. I kind of like, and then I go in, have a little thinking here is what I call it, in um, just our master bedroom. And that's where I get my head and my, my, just my, head straight, my heart, you know, looking to the Lord, spending time in his word. I, I think the, the biggest thing as, you know, a content creator is making sure that that time doesn't turn into content creation time. Yeah. Um, but just, even if that's just me opening the Psalm and Psalms and uh, singing a melody, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, get my, get my head thinking straight, my heart, um, following the Lord in that place. And I don't really have an office, um, work from home, all of us, school work, everything from home, but we have a studio, uh, our, we turned our three car garage into a, a recording studio. And so we do everything from home and it's, we love it. It's great. Love it. Speaking of dogs, mine's going crazy right now. So whenever, when, whenever somebody knocks, he goes into a uh, guard dog mode. So trying to trying to calm him down. It was down right when her. she mentioned her dog, which I was know. awesome. I heard <laughs> he got he got all needy and needed to be <laughs> talked about. You know. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite personality test? Oh, you know what? Um, have you guys ever done the Berkman? No. Yeah, a lot of people haven't heard of it. My brother, Eric, um, for a while, I mean, he's still certified in it, but um, he led me through the Berkman and it's it's really good. It's a lot about like what 
kind of like your motivators. Like, um, so people who, this is just a kind of a, I don't know, an example, like you may need music in your life, but you may not be a musician, but music mm-hmm. may be something that you really need if you're, maybe you're an accountant, but it just, it helped me a ton. That's when I learned I was an introvert. Um, I actually did a, a test recently. I'm 96% introverted. Oh, wow. Um, and that, like, even just that one thing on the Berkman, uh, I cried because as a person in leadership, I felt bad that people drained me, but I figured out it wasn't the people that were draining me. It was just that I wasn't getting enough alone time so that I could fill back up. Mm. Um, but I thought it was like, Oh, people were, you know, yeah, I felt guilty about that, but I just sure. cried when it was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for spending some of your, your energy coins with us today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is one thing that I do. (laughs) This is is weird, but um, sometimes before I'm getting ready to go out and lead, I'll like look either I'll open the door. I'll look out where I could see. This is back when we could lead people in a room, you know, like (laughs) you guys remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would look out. And I would just pray a prayer that would just release the people to God because I feel like he's who they really need. But I think as leaders, we have, we feel like we need to get like a a response, right? We need to like get a rise out of the people or we need to see a response. But rather than craving that, I would just even like focus on a couple of people and just say like, I release him. I release her. I release these people to you, God, Mm. that you are who they need. So Holy spirit, would you come and meet them right where they are? And I pray, I pray for the people and release them to God and release myself from being the one that would have, that would really lead them ultimately. So. Mm. I love love that. that. What's your favorite app on your phone? Uh, Um, what do I use every day? Etsy. I love Etsy. Um, Ooh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Small business owners. Try the, the okay. creative in me. Okay. Like, That's cool. Pinterest, uh, I love Pinterest. I bought a, I bought a mask off of Etsy. That was the first mask that I got was off of Etsy. I'm pretty sure I brought my dog something off of Etsy at some point. Right. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Okay. Uh, Okay. Um, I didn't read it until after my book was already finished, but, um, the ruthless elimination of hurry. John Mark Kilmer. Yes. Yeah. And it was so cool to read that. I mean, it's a different way to say the same thing, Hmm. but it was just so cool. Like having to, having experienced all of that and the Lord leading me into that to hear someone else's journey of God leading them into that kind of rest and trust and like laying down of things. Like I thought it was really good. Hmm. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Um, let's see. Definitely. Collaboration is the best work that Nathan and I have ever gotten to be a part of. Um, I think going in and really asking the Lord to help you see and listen to others and, um, 
and, and to try to be unoffendable and mm-hmm. to really, uh, it, it's a gift to be able to collaborate with people. It, it's, it's our favorite things we've ever done. Like we look back and it's like collaboration has been the richest. And I think that's part of just one section of the whole book is, is cl- the community of the beloved. And there's just, there's so much more to the community of the beloved that we don't even realize that God's given us to experience each other and sort of that all moving together towards understanding the height and the breadth and the width and the length of God's love. And so, yeah, collaboration. I think we have an, a tendency to look out for number one, right? Cause it's just sure. kind of in us to be looking inward, but to really ask the Lord to give you eyes to see the people that he's letting you collaborate with. It's just, it's a gift. And there's a lot in there to enjoy and to bring, to bring life, even though it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to work with people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. If you've been listening and you're like, I want to check out that book, you can check it out. It is coming out at the beginning of 2021. It's called The Life You Long For. So make sure to check that out. <laughs> it's a good 2021 is a great way to start that The Life You Long For because 2020 <laughs> took it from us, right? Exactly. Good way to kick in the new year. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you all for listening today. We hope it's been helpful to you and your leadership journey. If it has, head on over to Instagram, shoot us a DM, give us a follow. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next week. Peace out.